Well, good morning. Let me tell you something. This week uh, has absolutely rocked me. So uh, get ready. I'm going to be a little emotional up here. You're like, how's that different? I don't know. I'm going to be a little emotional up here, all right? This is a big deal. Power. And unleashing the power of the Almighty in our life. What does it mean to have God at work in our life? You know, let's just do this. Let's throw the Grow Right series up there. This is where we're at. Purpose. Right in the middle, we started with this target. Glorify Him. Like we are going after, it needs to be all about Him. It's not all about me. It's all about showing off our Almighty Savior. Amen? That's purpose. Let's not make it about us. Let's make it about Him. As we start to glorify Him, next step, then let's just get in His presence. Be still was the phrase we used and focused on there. It literally means in the Hebrew, drop your arms. Stop the battling. Take a moment in his presence to actually experience the one who is present everywhere. And yet we seem to miss it and ignore it so often. Let's experience the presence of the almighty in our life. Purpose and presence, then passions. It's God, how do I get fired up for what you're fired up for? Help me love what you love and hate what you hate. May I be going after what you want. And now we're starting to ramp up. Today we're into power. The power of the Almighty. Be filled. That's the phrase. It's what does it mean to have God working in us in a way that we've never experienced before. Or maybe just a few times before. Lord, I want you taking over in my life today. The power of the divine. You know, if you look in scripture, we have phrases like, be renewed, be transformed. Kind of the passive phrases of you somehow let this happen and it's God's work to do it, right? This comes out of Romans 12, 1 and 2, or don't do it with fleshly works and effort, but go after divine power as the reasoning. Galatians 5, 17 and on there. Just talking about it's not about how much effort we put in. Let's not muscle our way into perfection. It's God working in you. That's where it's coming from. So question, if it's about God working in us, how come we're not just all erupting into this massive change where one day to the next we're just completely different and we no struggles with sin and we're victory and what? Where is that? What's going on? How does it work? Let's make the two meet together today and understand it and go out of here never the same again. Never. Here we go. Turn with me, if you will, to 2 Corinthians 3, verses 16 to 18. 2 Corinthians 3, 16 to 18. The ushers are coming forward. They've got Bibles in their hands. We're just going to walk through these passages. Uh, so if you need a Bible, raise your hand. We'll get one to you, okay? The ushers have Bibles in their hands there. Just raise your hand. They'll get one there. 2 Corinthians 3, 16 to 18. What must I do to experience God's power unleashed in my life? What do I have to do? How does it work? Here we go. First, turn to Jesus. That's the simple starting point, okay? Where do you get that from, Tim? Well, let's start in verse 16. But when one turns to Jesus, the veil is removed. Wow, you're not really... uh 
Adding a whole lot to the scripture there. No, it's not needed, right? It says right there what we need to do to start this thing. Turn to the Lord. Okay? Let's get the context. Whenever we go and we look at a passage of scripture, it's always good to understand what's going on around it. All right? So what's going on right before this? What's being said? You can take a look if you want in your scripture there. But this is what's happening. Paul is writing to the Corinthians. He's alluding to Moses at Mount Sinai. And he's talking about how Moses went up on the mountain to actually meet with God and to be able to have the Ten Commandments given to him. And there was this time where he was spending in the very glory of God Almighty. And as he was in the glory of God Almighty, he was being changed. Like he was getting brighter. He was getting a clearer vision for where he needed to head. He was literally getting brighter. Right. It got to the point where when he came down, he had to put a veil over his face in order to block the shining of God's glory that was coming off of him. So the rest of the people could even deal with him and talk to him. He had to block God's glory a little bit with a veil. Paul's talking about that glory being blocked. He said, you know what? It even goes like this. For those who don't understand who Jesus Christ is, there's like a veil right over their heart. And the very glory of God is being blocked from them understanding who they are in Christ and what they can have. This veil can block the glory of God in such a way that we miss his work. Then he picks it up in verse 16. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. You hear it? When one turns to the Lord, the veil is ripped away. We need just turn towards the very glory of God, accept who he is, and simply say, you are in charge, Lord. I'm giving you my life. I understand that I've gone the wrong way, that I've done things that are all about me, and I understand that that is offensive to your holiness. Please forgive me. I want to get in line with your will. Use your shed blood to forgive what I owe. I know there's nothing I can do on my own. That's turning to the Lord. And he says, and the veil is removed. You end up having this clear understanding of who God is, and you're beginning to stand in the very glory of him and bask in it. You know, turn to the Lord. It means come in alignment with. Turn to the Lord. It it means put your will in alignment with his will. It means accept his forgiveness that he's offering you. Turn. To the Lord. You know, we say it like this at Harvest. It's not easy, but it's as simple as A, B, C. It's not easy, but it's as simple as A, B, C. What do we mean? A, accept that I'm a sinner. Like, I don't have it all together. I'm not perfect, and what God had intended for me, yeah, sometimes I come close, and a lot of times I'm just doing whatever I want, except that I'm headed my own direction. All of us are in that spot. Every single human being is in that spot at birth. We're headed our own direction, wanting our own way. Accept that I'm a sinner. A. B. Believe that Jesus is God and that he died on the cross for our sins. He is Lord and he made a replacement payment for me on the cross. Something I could never have paid myself. We're told in Romans 6.23 that the wages of sin, it's eternal separation from God. Death, eternal separation. And his holiness and his righteousness demands that. And that's not where God ends. 
his love and his mercy come into play as well. And they are directly opposed to each other, really, right? The justice and holiness is like, get in line or else. And the love and mercy is like, let's find a way to bring them in. How can we do this together where we work together for their best interest and ours? And now together, he's sort of in a wrestling at the cross. And that's the perfection of the cross is he doesn't compromise his holiness. He lived a perfect life. He doesn't compromise his love and mercy. He made a replacement payment available for you and for me. And he rose again from the dead to promise us, to show us that we can have life everlasting with him. See, confess him as Lord. Like, I got to make this personal. It's accept and believe and confess. A, B, C. Turn to Jesus. Question. Have you done that? Are you in a spot where you can say, I know I've done the ABCs? Not just the A, I'm not perfect. Not just the AB, I'm not perfect. And yeah, I guess I could accept that Jesus is God, whatever. But the ABC, I accept, I believe, and I confess him as my Lord. I'm putting him in charge of my life. Have you done that? If not, that's where it all starts. Today's the day. We're going to take a little bit of time at the end of the service to just kind of wrap things up. And I'm going to bring this back up there. Be thinking through who is God in my life and where do I stand? For those of you who have turned to him already, simply make this a celebration moment. Wow. Look what he's done for me. Amen. Like, wow, I've got a God who is all loving and reaches out with everything he's got and never compromises his character in the least. Turn to Jesus and the veil will be removed. Amen. We get to see who he is. We get to begin to experience who he is. Is that all we have to do? So we just say, hey, I accept Jesus as my savior. Boom, like unleashed power in my life. Somewhat. It starts that way, but there's more. Verse 17. Second point, he says, know the role of the spirit and embrace his freedom. Know the role of the spirit and embrace his freedom. Look at verse 17. He says, now the Lord is the spirit. Like the Holy Spirit, he's God. That's what he's saying. The Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Now the Lord is the spirit. Here's what we have to begin to embrace. The Holy Spirit is God, we believe in the Trinity. We have this God, the father, God, the son, and God, the Holy spirit, God, the father, he is sovereign over all God, the son, he is sacrificing for us and, and God, the Holy spirit, he is sanctifying. He's with us in that role. Please do me a favor. The Holy spirit, not it. He, okay. So some of you may have come from a place where maybe he was more reflected on upon it as a, as an it, like the Holy Spirit. It does that. Don't do that. The Holy Spirit, he, God in the person of the Holy Spirit moving in our lives. He do me a favor. Just say the word he with me. He like really loud. He, that's who we're talking about. God, the Holy Spirit at work in your life. We have to embrace that it's not just some abstract force. It's he, the person of the almighty God moving in you and me. Wow. Like that's a big step. Point number two, we better grasp, right? That the Holy Spirit is embracing 
and moving in our lives. It says here, the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There is freedom. This word is like everything we seem to run after in America, right? It's, it's like, I need to be able to be free to do what I'm going to. And somehow we turn it into this personal freedom. That's not what's meant here. Spiritual freedom. Like you are free from sin. You are no longer captive, no longer bonded. You are released and able to fly as high as possibly, possibly God can lift you. You are free in him. Free from the sin. That once so easily entangled. Freedom. You know, bad example, but uh, Mel Gibson movie. You know what I'm talking about? It was on TV, and so you get the TV version where there's no like bad words and whatever going on. And, and at the very end, the one word that he cries as they're about ready to take his life is freedom. Right? Like, it is about freedom. He grasped one level of freedom, which was just at the human level. But we are talking spiritual forever freedom. That's what's available to us. It's time to claim it. I mean, like right now. It's time to say no more bondage. I won't live it. Freedom is available. Then freedom is mine. That's what we need to say. Amen. Like that's victory in him. It's the second point. We got to be going after it with all we've got. So question, who changes us? He does. The Holy Spirit, he does, right? Let me just give you this list. Eight things that the Spirit does in our life. I'll just write, read these off. If you want to write them down, you can. But if you want them afterwards, we'll, I can uh, give them to you. Or we'll put them up on the web or something, okay? Eight things the Holy Spirit does in our life. Number one, he convicts us of the world, convicts the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. He convicts. Okay, that's John 16 verses 7 through 11. Number two, he indwells you and me if we believe in him. He takes up residence within us. First Corinthians 6, 19 through 20. He indwells us, makes us his temple. Point number three, he seals and he guarantees us. We have the Holy Spirit in us as a promise of future coming. So he convicts, he indwells, and he seals. That's Ephesians 1, 13. Fourth, he comforts. John fourteen sixteen. He is here in order to help provide encouragement and exhortation. He's our comforter. So he convicts, he indwells, he seals, he comforts, he guides into all truth. Not just some truth, all truth. He guides. John, uh, John sixteen thirteen. And then he glorifies Jesus. Did you know that? The Holy Spirit's number one job is to make sure that he's pointing to Jesus Christ. Pointing him out. That comes out of uh, John 16, 14. Glorifies Jesus. And then he sanctifies us. Galatians 3, 3. Paul says, what? You come to Jesus through the Holy Spirit. Now all of a sudden you're sanctified through the flesh? Come on. Right? He's asking this question. It can't be true. It's the Holy Spirit that's continuing the work. Stay in the Holy Spirit. Let him sanctify you. He started the work. Let him finish the work. The Holy Spirit sanctifying us. And then lastly, he provides fruit in our lives. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. He convicts, he indwells, he seals, he comforts, he guides, he glorifies, he sanctifies, and he produces fruit. The Holy Spirit's at work in our lives. 
And that's where freedom comes from. It's what we need to begin to grasp. Lean upon him. Not it. Him. The Holy Spirit at work in you and me. If we trust in him as our savior. Amen. All right. So my question to you is, are you ready to walk in the spirit? Are you ready to spend your time relating to the Holy Spirit in a way that allows him to do what says here, comfort and guide and convict and glorify and sanctify and produce fruit? Are you ready to walk with the Holy Spirit and have him change you? It's the only way we're transformed is the Holy Spirit making a difference in you. That's the transformation. It's time to walk with him. Let him lead. That's the application. Just let him lead. Know the spirit's in charge and let him lead. All right. So the first point, turn to Jesus. The second point, know the role of the spirit and let him lead. Third point, this is where it gets big. This was what rocked me this week. Third and fourth points, I'm just telling you. Third point, behold God's glory. That's when the spirit's transforming us. Behold God's glory. That's when the spirit is transforming us. Check this out. Verse 18. And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the spirit. Let's just go back and walk it through. Verse 18. And we all, uh, it's not just for some believers. It's not just for one believer. It's for how many? All of us. All believers, okay? You and me, all, all, all of us, we need to listen up. And we all, here we go, with unveiled face, meaning the ones who have turned to Jesus Christ, the we all, if you've turned to Jesus, beholding the glory of the Lord, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed. Are you hearing that? Like I had to read over this a bunch of times. Beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed. When are we transformed? When we're beholding the glory of the Lord. When are we transformed? When we are standing in his presence and we are simply in awe of who he is and we're seeing all of who he is and it's pouring upon us like Moses up on Mount Sinai and as God is just pouring out upon you, the very presence of the Almighty is changing you. That's what it's about. It's about God's glory pouring over you as you just stand in and bask in his glory being transformed. That's where it comes. So how come we don't experience it? Remember, all it took was Moses putting a cloth veil on to begin to block the glory that the others were seeing radiating from his face. We can block the very glory of God. When we stand in his presence and we raise up our will and all of a sudden we're no longer basking in his glory. We're basking in our glory. It's about me. Thank you. It'll be my comfort right now. And as the me comes up, there's sort of this semi transparent veil that's now there and some of his glory is being blocked and this transformation power is being reduced. And the best way I can say it is this. We need to answer this question. Are you telling me that God's power is weaker than my will? Wrong answer. But God's power, he chooses only to apply when our will is in line. 
He chooses that. He could over, he could over control us. He could make us do whatever he wants. But instead, he's choosing to work with your will. And in the midst of that, this is so important. He is bringing you to a spot where his glory is what you hunger for. When you live without it, you're starving. And you get taught to let go of you and turn. And the will comes down and the veil comes down and the glory comes up and God is pouring over you and bam, you start changing and you start making some moves and you're like, I'm good, man. And I, and you start grabbing onto me again and the veil starts coming up and we just start fading a little bit. And then you're like, what am I doing? And then you set it down and the glories and do you see it? Welcome to the Christian walk, right? The Christian walk is not one big jump over a chasm and we're in perfection. Instead, it's teaching us day by day to let go of it. It's glory by glory at a time. Oh, you're making that up. Really? Take a look. Look what it says in verse 18. Beholding the glory of the Lord, we are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. Are you seeing it? Like as I learn to let go of some stuff that's about me and I've got that part of the veil kind of out of the way, there's a little more of the glory of God that I'm beginning to grasp. And as the more glory I grasp, the more that's pouring over me and I take a step forward in progress, another degree of glory. That's the sanctification process. The real question we can ask along the way is, so what degree of glory are you in? Like, it's a legitimate question, right? How much of God's glory are you actually experiencing? And how much are you blacking out with me? When we want to change, when we really want change, we've got to grasp that it starts with his glory pouring into our lives and us getting the veil of our will out of the way and beginning to see him for all he is. And just, this is how awesome God is. Just being in his presence changes you. You hearing that? That's the secret. Just being in his presence unveiled begins to radiate upon you. Change. You know, last year we went to Hilton Head. It was like the first time that we ever went there. Maybe it'll be the only time. We'll see. It was a long drive. But we're at Hilton Head and we're out there on the beach and we're enjoying the sun and it's July. And it was one of those like when you're on the beach in Hilton Head in July, fried egg comes to mind. You know what I mean? You're laying there and it's just like beating down on you. But when a cloud comes through, there's this moment of break where you just kind of get this reprieve. It feels like the heat drops about 10 degrees and the needles on your arms sort of stop for a moment. And it's sort of this calming moment. And then as that cloud moves through and the sun just comes back out and begins to bake upon you and you feel that tingling on your skin from the salt water and the sun and whatever magic is going on there as you're becoming bronzed or burned whatever right that's about the lamest example we can come up with but a close match to just being in the presence of the almighty transforms you it's like Get the veil out of the way. Get the cloud cover out of the way. Just stand in and bask in the very glory of God and you will be changed. He will move you to release. Like, wow, that's all I can say. Why am I not changing? Too much veil. Not enough glory of God. That's where we got to go. All right. 
Can you tell I got a little pumped up on this this week? It's time to be Moses. It's time to be on the hilltop. It's time to be basking in the very glory of God. It's time to be transformed. Let's just remember for a second what happened to all the others down below. Really missing out on who God was. Kind of thought, hey, you know what would be cool? Let's build a calf out of gold. What? Right? Think of the self-absorption they were involved in. The challenge. Let's be Moses, not the people below. Let's experience God's glory pouring over us. Let's have a presence that is just unbelievably experienced in our life. Let's get me out of the way. Let's block. Let's get that veil blocking thing out of the way. It's time for God to move. If you want change, that's all that's needed. It's just get the will out of the way. And God's ready to rock in your world. All right. We have now set up the fourth point about as well as it can be. First is turn to Jesus. Second, it's know the role of the spirit. It is a he, God, the person of God working in our lives. And number three, it is the very glory of him unveiled that will be transforming us. We must have him unveiled in our lives. Point number four, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't grieve the spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't grieve the spirit. This comes out of two different passages, but we'll just turn to turn with me to Ephesians 5, 18. Ephesians 5, 18. This is an awesome passage to describe what it means to have God in your life. All right, here we go. Verse 18. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit. Verse 18. That's all it says. Uh, don't get drunk with wine. Be filled with the Spirit. So let's balance this. We're talking about drunkenness, this idea of influence or control from this physical substance, alcohol, right? Don't just be physically controlled and influenced. Be spiritually controlled and influenced. That's what he's saying. Let the Holy Spirit have that influence over you. Not, not some alcohol. So we have to be careful with this word filled about what it means and what it doesn't mean. What it's saying here is essentially filled, controlled, influenced completely. A couple things we can note about the word filled. First of all, it's in the imperative, which means do it. Who do it? Well, remember, the book of Ephesians is written to believers, and he's giving a command to believers, be filled. This is for anybody who's trusting in Jesus Christ. It's a command to you and me, let the Holy Spirit have high influence. Be filled. It's time for change. Then let the Holy Spirit control and influence you. So that's command. Second piece, notice it's passive. It doesn't say, fill yourself. It says, be filled filled like let god do this there's some opening up some aligning of your will with his will that's going to be needed because it's passive in nature third piece it's in the active and ongoing sense which means keep doing it over and over again make sure that you are always checking to being filled and when you lose it get it again be filled and continually be filled 
That's what's being said here. It's not a one-time shot. Okay. We trust in Jesus Christ. We accept him as our savior. The Holy Spirit indwells us right then. Bang. We are filled with the Holy Spirit. That's a one-time shot with him indwelling. And then at that moment, we have the Holy Spirit in us. We're ready to rock. He's indwelled us. Here's the thing. The filling is more a measure of where's our will now. And as we start drifting away and getting our will caught in it, we begin to lose a little bit of his total influence and control. So what? There's less of the Holy Spirit in me? Filled is like, hey, could I have a, could you fill me up with a little more, tip me off with a little more spirit, please? Like, that's not what it means. The same Holy Spirit is in you working with you, but here's the deal. It's really a measure of how much control have I given up? Filled means less of me in the way. Same God is there, but he's looking to work with your will. Filled. Get my will out of the way, Lord. May you be controlling. It's not, uh uh-oh, I lost some of the spirit. I need to get some more. It's, uh uh-oh, there's too much of me. I need to get rid of some of me. You hearing it? That's be filled. Be filled with the spirit. Now notice what it says after it. But be filled with the spirit. Well, how do I know if I'm filled with the spirit? How do I know? Like, what's it look like? Glad you asked. Take a look. Verse 19. Some ING words here that define it, Okay. It says, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. So there's a sense of lightheartedness. There's this sense of going to song, this idea of being able to bring out words and put them to music. There's a happiness and a a joy to where you're at. And song is a direction you would head. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And then the second piece, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. It's being able to sing worship songs to him and say, Lord, it is so about you. And I so want to lift you up. And I don't really feel like singing something to him right now. It would say here that that is not a part of the filled. It's this idea of we're getting too much of me in the way. We're worried about something. We're tense about something. We're letting something mull over in our heads. And we really don't feel like having that music on right now because I have something to figure out. And I can you hear it? Like more of me and oh, and, and we start crimping what the spirit can do in our lives. My will is in the way. So addressing and singing. And then verse 20, it says, giving thanks always for everything to God, the father in the name of our Lord, Jesus Christ, give thanks. A thankful heart is a big part of being filled. So I get up in the morning. I'm like, I can't believe it's, you know, 54 degrees out. I like 74. This is horrible. And I can't believe I have to go to church at 9 a.m. And why don't they have a, a, a 917 service? And, and I, I can't believe it, right? And we, we get into all these complaint sessions. And, and I can't believe, and why did they? And God, why don't you? And it's a pretty good indicator that we're sort of choking out what's going on. And it's about me, thank you, right now. It's not my comfort. It's my king should be the battle cry of being filled. It's my comfort. I don't care about the king. That's when it's all about me. Last thing there, he says in verse 21, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. It's, it's taking care of each other. It's loving each other. It's putting my needs below your needs. How can I care for you? Submitting myself to what's going on in your life. How do I know the Holy Spirit has filled me? Let's put it down into one simple command. Jesus said, first and greatest commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind. And second is like unto it, love your neighbors yourself. If those two are exuding off of you, you're probably in that moment filled. And when it's not that, you're not. 
the opposite of filled. Grieving the spirit or quenching the spirit. Terms are used in Ephesians and in 1 Thessalonians. If you go to Ephesians 4.30, it says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. What does it mean? Then it gives a list of all these temperament issues, these angers and these fits of rage and these selfishnesses and these watch, not watching my tone and not watching my language and not being forgiving and anything I can do that doesn't reflect the very character of God grieves the Spirit of God. Why? Because he's convicting of sin and righteousness he's moving you towards holiness and you're moving away from it and he's saying that's not where we want to go but he chooses to work with your will and so he just removes a bit of the glory impact and we begin to try to have to live life on our own and then we find real frustration in the christian walk don't grieve the holy spirit Get in line with them. Let them fill you with all you've got. I, uh, I was wrestling this week on how to describe this best. So this is what we came to. It's about a 35-year-old description, but it works well. Bill Bright, Campus Crusade. Describes it as spiritual breathing. Okay, spiritual breathing. We all know what breathing is, right? Everybody do it with me. Good job. We know what it is. We're doing it all the time, right? Spiritual breathing is something we may not be doing all the time, but it has the same thing involved. Exhaling and inhaling. Exhaling, getting rid of the stuff you don't need. Lord, I confess that. It's just laying out before him, confessing to him the stuff that's not in alignment with him. Please get this out of my life. Please forgive me, Lord. I'm done with that. Repentance and confession. And then inhale. And I know you are a God that forgives. Not someday, but immediately. And I know you are a God that embraces repentance. Not someday, but right now. And you tell me in Luke 17, 3, which by the way is a great verse to write down if you want a little promise thing to claim. Luke 17, 3. It's no matter how many times a day that somebody comes and says, I repent, forgive them. This is a model of who God is. So you're wrestling with something in your life and you come to him 17 times a day with, I'm sorry, Lord, I don't want that to have control in my life. Please forgive me. I'm turning from it. I'm done. And four minutes later, you're like, and I'm doing it again, right? I'm sorry, Lord. It's again gripped me. Please forgive me. I want to let this thing down. Please remove it from me. What does it take to be filled? It takes exhaling, confession of where I'm wrong and what I need to get in line with him. And then inhaling, just claiming the promises of who he is and trusting in him. And here's the catch. This is the big catch. Are you ready? Bam. Right then you are filled. It's not some big, long, arduous nine months. I proved over a duration of time that I've been able to maintain at least a 92% grade average. So he tips a little more in like that's not it. It's in the moment I have removed you all the way to interior rather than all the way to exterior. I've asked you to take complete control of my life and I'm dumping it at your feet. I'm exhaling and now I'm inhaling. That spiritual breathing is what it takes to be filled and that's it. And here's the catch. Once you're filled, get off Going where God has sent you to go. Where is it? 
What is it? What's it about? It might be just to spend some time in the word right then and be reading and learning. It might be to go off to somebody that you've hurt or that you've wounded and that you need to talk to and apologize. I'm telling you this. When you come before the Lord and you get filled, trust me, and he, everything gets right and he's got control. He's going to be like, just so you know, you got to get over there and talk to Bill now. Right? So it's not get everything right with everybody, then come to him. It's come to him, drop it all, it's full bore, just Lord, I'm confessing, I'm repenting, I'm cleaning it, and now I'm drawing in the claims and the promises of how awesome you are, how merciful you are, how gracious you are, and I am trusting in you to be immediately forgiven. I am now filled. Do you hear that? That's a big moment. I got to tell you, I know the word filled, and I've studied it a lot, and I've looked at it in the past, and I've sort of always thought of it as something in between instantaneous and eternity and i never really had an understanding of where and as i started having to nail down when it's right then and in that moment you have given the holy spirit total control let me say it to you this way imagine this a sailboat okay it's like taking a sailboat and turning the sailboat downwind that's confession and opening up the sail that's the Inhaling the promises of God. Bam! The Holy Spirit, like a wind, catches into that sail and you are immediately filled. Do you see it? Get your boat in alignment with his will and open up the sail and get ready. He's going to rock your world. That is being filled. That is the power of God at work in your life. I've wrestled with this for a lot of years. I have wrestled with trying to help people make changes in their life and I have not been able to explain. And this week it came down to these two points. It's God's glory pouring over you. And if you're in his glory, basking in it, he will be transforming. It is time for us to get our will in alignment with his will, to open up the sail wide as we claim the promises of him and just simply say, I'm going to watch you work, God. I'm going to watch you work. You're in charge. I'm going to be really honest and vulnerable here, okay? Every week, I'm a person who struggles with, I get anger moments, I'm hard on my kids, I I wrestle with being, you know, forthright with something, there's some things I'm doing, there's things, the ways I'm taking it, I've, I shouldn't be up here speaking. I'm just telling you, why would you put somebody up there speaking who does that kind of stuff? But each week, I'm taking time to come before them. And apologize for those same things. And confessing. And laying it before him and saying, it's got to go. Forgive me. It's in the way. I don't want it to be that way. Lord, may you be glorified. You are such a forgiving God. Take over in my life. Whatever. Wherever. How do you want it done, Lord? I'm telling you, when I come in here on a Sunday morning and I've got the word of God in my hand, I'm sitting in this front row and I'm saying those words. Please forgive me, Lord, and bring anything to mind, anything, anywhere. It's got to go. May you be in charge of my life. This is what I want for you with everything I've got. Grasp that breathing is not a once a day job. Right? It's kind of obvious, right? Like we breathe 11, 12 times a minute on average. May we do that spiritually throughout the day.
Please don't wake up in the morning and go. (sighs) (laughs) You'll suffocate and die in what about four or five minutes, maybe. Right. Please breathe. Okay. Not a big request. Same thing spiritually. Please breathe. Please breathe spiritually and do it more than once a day, once a week. For some of us, maybe even once a month, it's time to say, Lord, help me exhale. Lord, help me inhale. Lord, may I bask in your glory. It is all about your unveiled glory. Please help me to stand in your presence unveiled and change me. You hearing it? It's a big deal. This will rock your world. Uh, since Wednesday, it hasn't been the same around my house. And we're wrestling with it. It's a new thing for us. I'm telling you this instantaneous idea, this, yeah, we get confession, and I understand the idea, but when you grasp that it is freeing you to stand in the very glory of the Almighty so that you can bask in Him and He can just change you because you're there, wow, that's something to grab onto. Get it with all you've got. This is it. Unleash, unleash the power of God in your life. It will rock your world. I want this so bad for you. I have just been unbelievably blown away this week. Grasp it with all you've got. Be filled and be careful because the Almighty is very serious about being a part of our lives. I'm telling you, it's a joy and a privilege that leaves you singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and being thankful in your heart and submitting in love to one another. And here we sit up here preaching, be loving. No, bask in his glory, hand yourself over to him. The fruit of the spirit will pour into you and the glory of God transforming you. You will become love, different degree of glory. Are you hearing it? That's what it's all about. Grasp being in his glory. Grasp turning it to him. All right. It's time for us to do it. I was going to talk about it. It's time to do it. I want us walking out of here today with you have had a chance to taste of what it means. So we're just going to take the next few minutes. We're going to have the worship team come up and we're just going to do some exhaling and some inhaling. So go ahead and close your Bibles. Close whatever you got. We're just going to take a few minutes here to exhale and inhale. Why don't we go ahead and pop the first exhale slide up. This is our job. Let's just take the next minute. I'm going to open in prayer and then you just take some time to do this personally where you're at. All right.